Welcome everybody to the 1211 podcast. Um, and today I'm I'm excited to to welcome one of my one of my good friends Matt Dickerson with us today. And um, you know uh, I'm doing a podcast. I haven't released it yet, but it's it's on tear off the roof, and uh, it's in reference to uh, Mark chapter five when there was a there was a man who was lame and. Uh, four of his friends uh, they were bringing him to Jesus and they picked up a mat they picked they put him on his mat there was four of them and they and the crowd was so intense there was it was so deep uh, Jesus was in a in a house and people were, were were listening through the windows and through the doors and they could not get this man to Jesus and um, their faith they knew they had to get him to Jesus and and so they they tore off the roof, and they lowered this man in through the roof, and Jesus healed him. And the reason why I, I bring that up is is uh, this is one of those men that that'll he'll he'll carry my mat. He has one of my corners, and uh, for that I'm thankful. Uh, he's a little bit bigger than me, but I but I'll carry his mat too. I just need three other people to uh, to do that. So welcome, Matt. I, I, I certainly appreciate you being on on here today and um i'm very thankful for you well, i'm thankful for you and honored to be here so um we'll just kind of get into it matt I, I i want i want you to talk more than me obviously and i just want you to share with the viewers um just a little bit about about your life uh, growing up here in monroe and uh we can just kind of allow the the story to flow as it, as it does so i'm gonna let yep. you uh Sure thing. Well, I, I did. I was born and raised in Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, great parents, Tim and Teresa. I've got an older brother who's five years older than me. And, you know, probably up until the age of 18, we had a, a pretty normal life is what I would consider. Uh, we didn't really want for anything. We were we were not rich by any means. But in my mind as a child, you know, I, I, I don't remember ever uh, not having something uh, because my parents provided for us. And um, so thankful for them and, and the upbringing that they gave us and the household in which they brought us up in. My grandfather was a, a preacher, uh, my dad's dad, and uh, that was really a foundation for our family uh, early on and, and going to church, you know, and, on Sundays and Wednesdays and doing all the things. My parents sang in the choir and uh, that, I think, was a foundation that I wouldn't really appreciate until much later in life. Um, and looking back on it now, I, I don't know how the, the story would have looked different if I didn't have that upbringing. So I'm very thankful for, for the family that the Lord blessed me with and, and parents that love God and uh, continued to seek God regardless of, of different circumstances. So um, this is a podcast. It is not a, uh, a video. And so Matt, is a he's a giant of a man. He's six foot six and... He, he was a uh, 
just talk to a little bit, a little bit about your growing up. Obviously, being that being that big, you you didn't get to run the football very much, but you were you did play football. You were an offensive yeah. lineman, and and talk about where that where that took you in your uh, high school and college days. Yeah, so I went to high school at uh, Neville here in Monroe, and and some of my uh, you know more cherished years. I look back on that and had a fantastic head coach and an offensive line coach, but. You know, Mickey uh, Mickey McCarty was my head coach at Neville, and uh, just a, a mountain of a man that I, I respect and and hold in such high regard because of uh, the leadership and and the, the coaching and the love and inspiration and the um, you know discipline that he instilled in, in my life at an early age. But I did. I was not as big as I am now in high school. I was about six two, uh, probably uh, up until my sophomore year, and then. Uh, really was about 200 pounds, so I looked like more of a good-sized tight end or receiver. But my senior year, junior year, going into my junior year, I, I grew a few more inches and uh, put on a little bit more weight. But still, I wasn't your, uh, you know, college offensive lineman by any stretch of the imagination. But I did have an opportunity to go play at the University of Central Arkansas, and uh, after the first year there, I put on more pounds and obviously uh, grew into into my frame, as you would say. So. Um, but yeah, football was a, a, a tremendous part of my life, not for any other reason than I think the discipline and the work ethic that was, uh, that was instilled. And, and I appreciate that season, um, regardless of uh, success or failures or anything else. I think there's just a tremendous amount of life lessons that I learned you know, you know, playing sports. And then after college, I had an opportunity to come back and coach. And that was a, a tremendous blessing as well. So in, in between that time of, of high school and college and, and coaching, you know, what what God has uh, put on my heart, to, and one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is to uh, just let the viewers know that, that in certain areas of their life they're not alone. And uh, one, of those, one of those things that I've heard before um, – even before I was walking with Christ, just like, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, and uh, and my my idea of what good was was uh, the only one that was good, according to the Bible and according to Paul. You know, no one was good except Christ. Mm-hmm. We're all sinners, and we all need grace and mercy. And right. and, I, and I think I'm thankful for that. But but so talk a little bit about that because you you were raised. You know, you were raised in the church. Yeah. Um, you had a, a grandfather who was a pastor, so there was a foundation there. Um, but just talk a little bit about some of the tragedies, because that's that's one of the words that I wrote down when I was just thinking about um, our journey together over the last eight years. Yeah. Um, tragedy was one of those words that I was like. We, we must talk about it because there's so many people out there going through tragedies, going through situations, um, and, and a lot of them are going through it without leaning into Christ. And um, so I wanted, you, I wanted you just kind of, you can kind of freelance this and talk about some of those tragedies that, that happened early in your, in your uh, journey. Yeah, so rewind a little bit. About when I was a, uh, uh, early on, probably seven, eight years old, I remember, you know, making that commitment and and surrendering all that I knew about myself and 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 who Jesus was to 
uh, to walk down that aisle and give my life to Christ. And I did that, and I was uh, baptized. My grandfather, uh, who baptized every one of us grandkids, uh, I think I was the last one to be baptized, um, which was really special. Um, but at that time, I really probably didn't fully <coughs> understand what I had received in that moment, and, and that being the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so from that moment on, throughout my childhood growing up, you know, I was, I was pretty protected. I was sheltered. Um, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of life experiences at that time. I was raised in a good home. My parents loved me. Uh, we went to school. We went to church. We did all the things. And, and I would say, you know, like I said, up, up until about, you know, 18 years old, um, it was easy to be faithful. Yeah. Um, and things started to change about uh, 18 years old. I, I had a, a cousin who was a year older than me. Uh, it was my first year in, in uh, college, just graduated, and I was home for, for a weekend. And um, I remember I was laying in bed, and early the next morning, my dad walks in, he's crying, he's trying to hold back tears, and I'm like, man, what's, what's up, what's going on? And he said, it's your cousin. And I was like, you know, what happened? Uh, and he said, well, he's gone. And I remember not being able to comprehend what he was saying at this point, uh, but my cousin Lance Thomas, who was a year older, and he was, he was the epitome of a good person. Like mm -hmm. if we had a definition of what a good person was, like Lance was it out of, out of us, my brother, myself, my, my other cousins, like Lance was the one that everybody loved. He had a heart for people. He served people. He was always fun to be around. Like I don't remember him having a bad day. Um, and so for my dad to walk in and say that, that he, he's gone, uh, he was tragically killed uh, walking across 165. Uh, and got hit by a car uh, late late at night. And outside of those details, I, I don't really know exactly what happened, and, and I don't know that we need to know, but I just know that that was a pivotal moment in my journey for me because what happened the next couple of weeks really carried for about the next six years. Um, and it was a, a dark, dark place. And so Lance was killed. And there was a ton of emotions going through that. And uh, I remember his funeral, and I, I don't remember the days leading up to it. I don't remember really the days that followed. I just remember the day of the funeral, walking into North Monroe, because he was going to North Monroe. We were going to First West, and uh, I, I hadn't been around North Monroe that much. Um, and I remember walking into the old sanctuary where they were doing it, and my dad was walking with me, and we were walking down. He was like, hey, you want to go? to the casket and of course the casket was open and I was like man I, I really don't dad was like look I think you need to like you need to kind of bring some closure to this and I remember I got to the very end of the aisle and, and I, my legs just gave way and I, I broke down and I was crying and then what came out of that hurt was not joy it was not peace it was not anything that God promises he'll give us. It was anger. And I sat in that funeral, and the longer I sat there, the more mad I got. And walking out of North Monroe Church, I, I don't know who was around, or, or if I said it out loud, I screamed it, I know in my head. I don't know how loud it was audibly. 
But I said, I'm never stepping foot in this effing place again. And what happened when I made that comment was there was a switch in my mind that everything I'd been raised on for 18 years had been shaken and shattered. The relationship with the God that I knew growing up that provided and protected and, and that I was uh, uh, faithful to because it was easy because there wasn't any trials or circumstances, all that was gone because this good person is now gone and it doesn't make sense and I don't understand why. And, and really it was the next, I mean really six years of anger and bitterness and hatred and just poison inside um, that I look back on now and I'm, I, I'm like, why, why, did I, why did I go that way? Why did I live that way? Um, but I left that church and I went off to college and I went back to, to Arkansas where it was easy to forget about because I wasn't near my family. So uh, I didn't have to see all the hurt and the pain that they were still dealing with. And I just got to deal with it the way I wanted to deal with it. And as easy as it was in college as I could drink and, and party and stay busy and work out and play football and go to class and do all those things and, and keep my mind occupied with, with other things than just dealing with the hurt that I was really trying to suppress. And that's what I did. I, I started drinking uh, heavily and, and it got to a point where I was drinking myself to sleep because I was so hurt that uh, I didn't want to go to sleep and really if I'm being honest it was I didn't want to go to sleep because I was scared about what happened if I didn't wake up because I knew all this anger and all this hatred and all this hurt inside of me was not good. Like I was still trying to go to church and, and my brother was living with me in college and you, we, would, we would try to make a point to go back to church and, and do the right thing that we had been taught to do. But it was so hollow uh, because I was not dealing with the hurt that was inside of me. Um, and so that's, that's what I did throughout college was I could mask it because everybody drinks in college and everybody parties in college and everybody does things in college. Um, but what nobody told me was those habits that you create in college, they still come with you when you leave college. And so when I moved back to Monroe, I was still carrying uh, a lot of those same habits and definitely still carrying a lot of that same hurt. Um, but... You know, as you as you were talking, <clears throat> that that verse Matthew eleven twenty eight, it just was ringing in my head. And you know, uh, I've only been studying this Bible for about eight years, but there are certain verses that that they're easier to remember, and that's one of them. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, yeah. and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I got to believe that, that's, that, that was what, that's what you were looking for. You just didn't, you didn't come to him. You went to the bottle. You went to the, to, uh, the idea of being busy. If, yep. if I'll just be busy and won't think about it. But, yep. but you're still dragging that chain around. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, 
So that was that was number one. Yeah. And then um, you know, and I want I want the audience to know that that um, I promise you, real and authentic, and uh, everything that we talk about has been approved by your family to, yeah. to discuss because I I, I want to be very mindful of those relationships and because because your family means a lot to me and uh let's talk a little bit about your brother um um some decisions that he made as as a teenager or as a you know out of high school affected a lot of things and uh one of those things is you Mm -hmm. uh so let's talk a little bit about that um how how um how that relationship got to be uh not what God had called it to be, yeah. I guess you would. Yeah, so like I said, my brother, he's five years older. Uh, he went through Neville. He graduated in 2002. I graduated in 2007, so we weren't we weren't together then, but we did spend some time together. And I remember growing up, like, looking up to him and, and uh, trying to, to, to be a part of, you know, his life, and, and like most younger siblings do. Uh, unfortunately, that... <laughs> might not have been always the best thing to do. Uh, Jonathan, and, and part of his testimony is, you know, he, he uh, struggled with addiction and, and made some poor decisions and uh, you know, definitely had some consequences in his life that, that he's, he's dealt with and that, uh, some that he still continues to deal with. But uh, I, I would say that our journeys were probably polar opposites, you know, from high school forward because I saw what was going on with Jonathan, and I was like, "Well, I don't. I know I don't really. I don't know what I want, but I know I don't really want that." And uh, which is which is interesting because the way this story goes, uh, God uses that to to really bring me closer. But uh, growing up, he was uh, you know exploring and experimenting and doing all the things that most you know is available to teenagers and. that lifestyle continued, and then as I as I went to college, uh, he had an opportunity to, to move in, and you know we felt like that was the best thing for him to do is come live up in uh, in Conway, Arkansas, with me, and we had a house together, and he was working, and I was going to school and playing ball, and uh, we just kind of lived this uh, life together through college, and uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and. Uh, there were some some things he was doing that I didn't approve of, and I'm sure there's things I was doing that he didn't approve of. And uh, but we just existed, and uh, we got out and, and kind of moved back. And like I said, I was still in the midst of of my struggle. Uh, I graduated in 2011, moved back in January of 2012, and uh, for the next three to four years, um, kind of the the house began to fall. I guess you would say. And, in my family there was a lot of things that Jonathan had done that uh, started to catch up with him and um, he was arrested several times and uh, put in jail and uh, was, was charged with a, a number of felonies and uh, you know by God's grace and mercy that that whole thing which is a whole nother episode yeah we, uh, we can do worked, that later worked out um, but but to sum it up uh, at that point in my life, I was uh, 2014. I married Kelsey, and, and we were starting, you know, our life together. And um, I was an adult. I was doing the things. I had a full-time job. I was coaching and teaching. We were we were winning in football. We were, you know, successful. We had friends. We were living the life. We were trying to do the church thing, but um, 
never really found a home and and just kind of floated sundays were during football season like sundays were the only time that i would have uh sunday mornings because sunday afternoons we'd do planning and, and scheduling so out of a seven day week i was working six and a half days and uh so maybe sunday mornings i woke up and we didn't necessarily go to church we just spent time together and did whatever we wanted to do sometimes we'd go to church and there was really no foundation uh, and there was no healing from what I brought out of, of losing Lance, and I was still dealing with that and still just, you know, kind of living through that existence. And uh, Jonathan was, was arrested, and, and uh, that whole process started around 2014. And um, bitterness and anger grew. It, it, I, I witnessed what it was doing to my parents, and I saw how my mom was hurt. Um, and just heartbroken that she was, uh, but but despite those things, she was still faithful. You know, she still prayed for my brother, and she was positive and believing that God's will will will, will protect him and that it'll protect our family and that we're going to move through this. I mean, my mom is a is a rock of a woman, and mm-hmm. she's been a, a central uh, stronghold for our family for all these years. And uh, my dad, who growing up was my best friend, he came up to to. He traveled with us everywhere we went in college to play. He cooked, came up a couple days early and cooked and stayed with me. I mean, we had a tremendous relationship going into 2014. And uh, I began to witness the hurt that was happening in their life. And, And my response, because I was already hurt and angry and bitter about losing Lance and all those things, this just added to that and kind of reopened that whole wound. And so my natural rea- reaction was fight, right? And my dad's reaction was, I'm going to support Jonathan. I'm going to stand by Jonathan. But what I told my dad, and this is where he and I kind of start to split, is like I told my dad, you need to cut him loose. Like he's going to jail. He needs to go to jail. He deserves to go to jail. Um, He's made all these decisions. He's tore our family apart. He's did all these things. And I was justifying my position of telling my father to disown his son. And at the time, I didn't, I could not understand because I didn't have kids. I couldn't comprehend, and he told me that. He said, Matt, you, you will never understand until you have a son of your own or a child of your own, the lengths you will go to protect them. And what I heard was, I'm going to choose him, and I'm going to support him regardless of you. And what that did for me internally was was uh, open up a deep wound of um, anger and bitterness towards my family because I felt like I was living the, the life, like I was doing the right things. We were successful. We were winning state championships. We were, you know, Kelsey and I both had jobs. We were paying our own bills, making our own way. We were adults, and we were doing all the right things. But all the attention was on Jonathan. And we couldn't even celebrate the successes in my life because they were always overshadowed by this stuff over here. And and looking back, it was, it was so petty and selfish, uh, you, you were feeding right into the enemy's scheme. He, right. he was just yep. throwing the breadcrumbs, and you were just <clears throat> taking them up. But So we can kind of segue into when your dad said, 
you won't understand until you have a child. Yeah. And so you have a beautiful baby girl, Haley May. Mm-hmm. She'd be my fourth if I could, but I already got three girls. But I'll rent her if you ever <laughs> yeah. need. And then last week, y'all welcomed in Henry Thomas Dickerson to this world. We did. Uh, he's all of eight days old. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> now those words that your father said are a little more real than yeah. uh, they hit different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Haley was born, she'll be four in January. Um, she came right at the beginning of COVID. And that little girl is, uh, she definitely changed my life. And I know she's changed Kelsey's life. And uh, you really don't understand the love of our Father, our Heavenly Father until you have a child of your own and you realize that your heart uh, can be so full uh, of love for for more than your spouse and more than your yourself and more than your passions and all these other things. Like love just means something differently uh, when we had Haley May. And now with Henry Thomas, he is eight days old and uh, that's another miracle in itself is just understanding that you know, now you got two children to love, and you think you're going to love one more and one less, but can't do it. Like, like we're in this. It's like every day is like my heart is is so full, uh, and they're special. And 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 Dad was right. Uh, there is probably no length that I won't go uh, to protect those two babies, and. Uh, I understand that better now, but I didn't understand it when he told me that years ago. Uh, so let's, uh, I want to segue into when I first met your brother, because we had, you know, we both went to Neville High School, but obviously I'm 15 years older than you. Uh, so we didn't really know each other that well. And Perry Smith invited you to come to Buck Commander Bible Study. Yep. Uh, we had started that at 5 a.m. on Thursdays. And you show up. Um, I wish I'd have wrote all this stuff down, but I'm not that smart. Um, <laughs> you show up sometime in 2015. Um, and then we, that same year, that boy from, from uh, Franklin Parish had a heart attack and died. Mm-hmm. And then we, we went down there and we fried fish and uh, we loved on, the, on that football team. And that's when I met your brother. Mm-hmm. He was down at Fresh Start yep. at, the, at the faith-based program. And I didn't know you or your brother before any of this. And all I saw was joy. And so yeah. I, want, I, wanted, I want you to be able to just share with, with the audience how that part of your brother's life started to change your heart yeah yeah so through Jonathan's uh, journey uh, and, and the, the grace that only comes from from God he ended up instead of in prison he ended up at fresh start and while he was he was in jail leading up to the court date and everything else but uh, all that time I told my parents like I'm not going to see him I'm not talking to him you know he would call and talk to them and and whatnot and I just kind of planted my flag in this uh, 
that I'm disowned him, I'm forgetting about him. He made this decision and now he's got to live with it. And then he moves to Fresh Start and they're like, hey, we get to go, you know, after a few few weeks or, or so many weeks he's there, he said, we get to go and visit your brother and I, I really think you need to, to go. And I was like, I'm not going. I told you I wasn't going when he was in jail. I'm definitely not going down to Winsboro and, you know, seeing him at this Fresh Start thing. Uh, and had no intentions and he was there for several months and every time my parents would come back and my mom would just kind of pull me aside and she goes your brother just wants to hear from you and uh, man I was so hard headed and I hate the way that I acted back then um, because it was so childish and and uh, pointless useless it was it was just unnecessary uh, but I told her I said I don't I don't want anything to do with him I don't yeah but he's different Matt he's changing like he's he's in the word and, and part of that program is it's a it's a faith-based program there's no detox like the it's your you, detox you read scriptures and, scripture. and you yeah and, and and it's the power of the Holy Spirit and, and God's grace that that move people and transition them out of uh, that addiction and He's like, he's reading his word. He's doing these things. He's, he's different. He's coming. He looks different. He sounds different. I just didn't care um, because I was still caught up in me and my hurt, my anger. But several months passed, and, and I'd been going to Buck Commander, and uh, we were studying through several different books throughout that journey. But that 2015 year, looking back, God was preparing me for 2016 um, but in order to get there there had to be this foundational work and it was sitting in a room of, of godly men and studying the word and uh, that was a, a process in itself that I'm sure we'll cover but we started studying first John and and in first John it talks about you can't love God and hate your brother right mm -hmm. and, and we've studied that scripture several different times in different circumstances but Man, when I read that, I was I was in the midst of this conversation with my mom. I'm not going to see him because I still hate him because I still he still deserves everything he's gotten. But I'm searching, I'm seeking, I'm in a Bible study, I'm reading scripture, I'm trying to do right, and by all accounts, things in my life are looking to be a little bit better. But is there still one thing that I'm just refusing to deal with and let go of? But when I read that first John scripture, and I can't remember the, the dates and how everything exactly fell in line, but that scripture stuck out to me. Um, and shortly after that, uh, again, my brother invited me and, uh, to, to come visit him one Saturday. And I told my mom, I said, I'll go. I said, but I'm not talking. I'll just sit there and listen. She said, that's fine. Just listen to what he has to say. He just wants to talk to you. And so we walk in, we drive down to Winsboro, we walk in and we're sitting there and there's families everywhere and everybody's got a big round table and, you know, it's, it's me and my brother and my aunt, and my mom, my dad. Uh, and Jonathan's just telling us about this journey that he's on and the scriptures that he's reading. And, you know, I'm sitting across the table with my arms crossed, my pouty face on going like, yeah, right, here we go again type thing. And uh, I don't remember saying much. Um, I remember Jonathan was fat because he was in, and if you know Jonathan now, he's not fat, he's skinny. But uh, but while he was in jail, I think he ate a lot of honey buns and stuff. 
And uh, honey buns are good. He had he had put on some weight, but what I saw in my brother, he was not the same one that went into that jail. Um, when that journey started, and I couldn't deny that. Uh, as I sat across the table, I could deny the things that he was saying, but I could not deny the joy that I saw in him on his face that day. And he really just poured out his heart. He apologized and, and uh, you know, asked about things that was going on in my life. And at that point, we were, uh, I think we just won a, a state championship and, and things were, were good. And, you know, you had, I don't know, a couple of hours, I think, to spend with them and my parents and everybody. We took the pictures and I still got that picture on my phone I look at it from time to time but uh, we walked out outside of Fresh Start walked through the double doors and it's a covered kind of walkway and my parents had gone on they'd gotten in the car and uh, it was just me and him kind of walking out and uh, man I just felt this conviction come over me like I had not experienced and we were standing there and, and he was talking and, you know, as he, as he does. And um, I remember I was just looking straight out at the road. And I just kind of put my head down and started crying. He goes, Matt, he said, what's wrong with you? I just looked at him. I said, man, I said, I just want what you got. And I didn't believe it when I said it. But I was so broken inside. And I had spent so much time building up my wall and trying to, to, to protect my kingdom, right? Um, that I was holding all this anger and holding all this hatred in. And, and you know, it was... I think I did a pretty good job of holding it in from people that didn't cross me. Um, you know, I did, Kelsey and I's relationship, I don't know that it really suffered. I'm sure it did, but, you know, there was no really, she never took a lot of the brunt of what was happening. I just internalized everything, and I just kept building and packing and packing and packing it in. And, I mean, you can only do that for so long. And I thank God that I never had a moment where I exploded and, and did something stupid. And instead, he brought me to this moment where he used the person that I'd hated and uh, completely disowned to bring me to this moment of surrender. And we did that outside of Fresh Start. And I remember him, he goes, what do you mean you want what I got? He said, Matt, I'm in a court-appointed rehab program. I don't have anything. And I said, but you've got joy. And so all the things that I have done outside was we had bought a house. We've got jobs. We're in our professional careers. State champion. We've got – yeah, we've got uh, awards and accolades. We're state championship football, like – I was checking all the proverbial boxes that the world could provide that would bring me joy, fulfillment, and satisfaction. And inside, I was completely broken and hurt 
and angry and all the things. And it took me going to a rehab facility for God to use the very person that I thought was the source of that anger and hatred um, to break me down. And that is how God works. (laughs) You can't draw it up. You can't even fathom it. But I want to... You said something years ago, and, and, and it's, it was kind of like Scripture to me. I, I just remembered it. You, you told Jonathan, your actions speak so loud, I cannot hear a word you're saying. Yeah. And um, that, to this day, still... And, it, and it's, it's in reference to Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus was teaching about the fruits in people's lives. He says, uh, watch out for false prophets. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, they come and come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. But their fruit, by their fruit, you will recognize them. People pick grapes. Do people pick grapes from, from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every tree, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Mm-hmm. And this is some scary stuff. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did, not, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That, that last part will be another... another uh, session episode in itself but (laughs) but the fruit part like you recognize the fruit in jonathan's life and so you were entrapped you were you were this unforgiveness your willingness your unwillingness to forgive your brother right and um so we did this freedom study several years ago and we and it's just awesome and so i want to i want to read this because because i believe somebody else needs to hear this today it says the trap of unforgiveness an offense is something we consider to be a violation of what we think is right and fair. We need to understand that the enemy uses that offense to hold us captive and to keep us from moving forward in the freedom that God has for us. Mm-hmm. And um, it says Satan uses offense as a bait to lure us into a trap of unforgiveness and bondage. And by holding on to that offense, we think we are trapping the person who hurt us, Mm -hmm. but in reality, we are the ones who are ensnared. You were the one in prison. True story. You were the one in prison. Coaching at Neville, got a house, got a wife, prison. Your brother was actually in prison, but he was free because (laughs) he surrendered to Christ. It makes no sense, but we're both laughing and crying at the same time. And uh, well, in this in this chapter of forgiveness, it says a primary prayer in a relationship should be that the Lord would allow us to see that person through the eyes of Christ. Yeah. And I believe it was that day that God allowed you to see Jonathan through His eyes, That's right. and it started the change in your heart. Yeah. And so. I want to talk a little bit about so you you haven't gone on a retreat yet 
but you've been coming to the Bible study. God started working on your heart with your brother and your relationship and all that. And I want you to talk about about this uh, when we were reading Scripture. Like, yeah. just share with the audience. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so in that study, you know, when I, when I first started coming, man, I'd, I'd open my Bible, and, and I remember thinking, I'd, I'd walk in, and the way those Bible studies are set up is we'd walk in and read a chapter, and, and somebody would read the chapter, the whole chapter out loud, and then basically open it up to the to the group. And there was probably, I don't know, 30, 40 people in that yeah. little bitty house. Mm-hmm. And so I'd sit in the recliner, and I would, I would sit there, and I'd read, and somebody would read the scriptures, and then these men would start talking, and they would start saying, well, I got this, or I heard this, Spirit spoke to me here, and that. And I'd, I'd like flip pages going, what are they reading? I didn't read any of that. Like, I don't know where any of that came from. And I, it, it was so aggravating and frustrating because my personality is, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be the best at it, right? right. Like, if I'm going to yeah. coach, we're going to win state championships. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. This. And so I would, I would get frustrated, and I remember, uh, like, Mr. Robert Abels and, and Rocky Kinger and these guys that were leading this group. Remember afterwards, I, I think I made a comment or, or somehow it got brought up. But they challenged me to start praying for wisdom and knowledge. The wisdom and knowledge to understand Scripture. The wisdom and knowledge to read Scripture. And uh, they took me to Proverbs. And, and the very first part of Proverbs talks about all wisdom and knowledge comes from God. And so it only made sense that if you want to know the, the Word of God, you need to go to the source of the Word. Um, and I began doing that. and. I wish I could tell you that there, there was a timeline of I started praying and then this started happening, but looking back, it was just this gradual uh, kind of being spoon-fed interpretation of the Word of God. And, but I would, I would constantly pray, you know, please let me understand the Scripture. Please let me hear from you in the Scripture. Um, and, and I'd walk into those studies and, and we'd open it up and and at the longer I was there and the more I was reading and the more I was seeking and, and praying, God began to reveal truth to me in Scripture. Uh, and then those Bible studies really started to become a, a, a kind of catalyst for what I would say was, was the, the next phase of, of my journey, which was not only understanding the words on the page, but understanding the heart of the message that's throughout that scripture. Like, it's not just the history book, it's, it's the heart of the author that really began to be revealed to me uh, during that time. So, um, you referenced basically James chapter 1. Uh, in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, not if, but when you face trials of many kinds. Mm-hmm. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Yep. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Yep. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord such a person is double minded and unstable and 
what he's saying is it's a heart condition. Like you, 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 you generally, you, you genuinely wanted to know about God, yeah. and so uh, we're we're about to wrap this. We're going we're going to do part two. Obviously, we're forty five <laughs> minutes into, it and everybody who knows me knows I'm long winded, but I want to be respectful. But I, I, we cannot leave this segment uh, without talking about this because there was a guy last week that 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 he actually surrendered his life to Christ he I was just part of an altar call at Christ Church uh, back in April and I, I saw him again Friday and he was talking you know he surrendered to Christ he came to me broken that night mm-hmm. and uh, the dude that was sitting in front of me was just like you seeing your brother like I was like oh my gosh this dude has so much joy like He's smiling. He's got on a Jesus shirt, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" Like, Different. and then he, then he said these words. He said, "Man, the Bible's intimidating to me." And I was like, "No, mm-hmm. no!" Like, the only thing that God, our only purpose in our life, is to learn about the Creator of the universe, so that we can go and share what we've learned and what we've experienced in our lives through through learning and growing in Christ. Mm-hmm. He knows we're not very smart. You know, and if God wants us to know Him, and and the way to know Him is to read His 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 Bible, to He would not make it confusing. That is a lie from the enemy. It's intimidating because you've never read it. Well, so was physics. <laughs> you know, so was chemistry yeah. until you walked into uh, the chemistry class and they give you a book and and then you start to study and you go, okay. I can learn a little bit of this, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's the same with this Bible. So many people, including myself, I'll be like, ah, King James, thou shalt. I, I didn't even have a King James. I don't even know where I heard heard that from, but I would. That was my excuse. The Bible's too complicated. But I never took. I never in forty years of the first forty years of my life, yeah. never picked one up unless I was in church and they was like, open the Bible. I'd open mm-hmm. in front, you know, the ones in the in the in the pews. Um, but when you ask for wisdom. He gave it to you, yeah. and then, and then he used the very gift that he gave gave you as a vocation, a teacher, mm-hmm. and you're one of my favorite teachers to, to learn from now, uh, because because you like history, mm-hmm. right? I, I you and Deanne like y'all talk about history. Deanne's <laughs> my wife. If you if you're just now turn, tuning in, y'all y'all love history and y'all talk about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, uh, it's not really my thing, yeah. but but. But he's he. Everybody has different gifts, and you have a gift of teaching, and and so he's used that. So, look, uh, we're going to continue, but we're going to continue in session two. Uh, Can I give it, you give you one thought? Absolutely. You know, thinking about studying the Bible, and I hope this encourages somebody because it's it's easy. I think about this, and and we've talked about it kind of the last couple of weeks in, in different groups, but you know studying that big thick book is on the outside it's it is very intimidating it's a lot of pages and it's it spans thousands of years of history and um you know if you never open it you can you can keep the mindset of that's a very intimidating book and what's even more intimidating what makes people i think look at scripture being uh difficult to understand is like there's people that have doctorate degrees and phds in scripture and when you look at that from the outside, you're going, well, that must be difficult if they're given PhDs about this book. But I, 
but what God's revealed to me, and I think you'll find this as truth as well, what Jesus spoke and what Jesus did on the cross is the common thread from the first page to the last page. The simplicity of the gospel is that we have a God that created us. And from the very beginning of time, he wanted a relationship, a personal relationship with each of us. Sin separated that. He came down off his throne and took our place on a cross so that his blood could cover the multitude of sins that we all carry in order to restore that relationship. He came, he died, he was buried, he rose, he's coming back. The simplicity of the gospel message is just that. If you know that to be true, there is nothing keeping you from understanding the word of God. Because that message right there is, is weaved throughout every page. Old Testament, New Testament, you always trace back to God's faithfulness to restore his relationship with his people. That was a mic drop gospel message to insect uh, part one of this uh, of this interview. So I just uh, I hope you're encouraged as as much as I am. I'm always encouraged when Matt comes in the room and um, just stay tuned. We will because um, we hadn't even got to the to your tear off the roof moment. And uh, so um, there's more in respect of your time. We're gonna we're gonna make this a part two session. So thank you for uh, tuning in today, and we uh, look forward to. To seeing you next week. Y'all have a great day and uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.